0: Welcome along, I'm Alan Williams and this is the Alan Williams Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the pod. I'm going to get straight into it today guys. I have a session to deliver for Elevate tonight which is called the Transformation Guide. It's going to be absolutely insane but I have a little bit of work still to do on it. And I also need to make sure that I'm conserving some of my energy for those guys this evening so that I can show up at my best. Therefore, I'm going to get straight into today's podcast. It is my 15 self management rules. The reason I've decided to record this one today is because people ask me quite a lot, How are you always in such good form? Or how do you manage your state so well? The first thing to say on that is, I'm not always in good form. I have good and bad days, the same as everybody else. I do my best to manage my state. And I'm going to give you some of my tips today. But all I'm really doing is, even if I'm not at 100%, I'm giving myself the best chance to show up as optimally as I can that's really what I strive for rather than perfection which let's face it doesn't exist so even when I was coming up for the title today coming up with the title today for the podcast I was reluctant to use the word rules and the reason I'm reluctant to use the word rules is because rules kind of suggest that it's something that I do all the time when in fact it's not really it's something that I try to do all the time but like everybody else I fall down and I fall down quite regularly so maybe the word in there shall be intentions rather than rules But I know that sometimes the word rules just kind of sticks better with people because it just solidifies it in their head. So maybe we'll just go with that. So my 15 self-management rules. As I said, I'm not perfect. I strive for these. I don't always hit them. I do fall down on them quite regularly. But these are some of the things I try to live by. The first one is to work to be self-aware. Self-awareness is a superpower. And it's a superpower that a lot of people do not have. But it's also a superpower that can be mastered. So, what is it like to be around me? I think that's one of the most powerful questions any of us can ask. And it's a question a lot of us shy away from. And we'll always look at what it's like to be around other people. But we'll never look at what it's like to be around ourselves. How do other people make me feel? But we never ask the question, how do I make other people feel? And sometimes there's this route we go down where we go, I don't give a shit what people think about me. And I think that's a little bit, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is in that, but it's one where... I kind of question that because I think there is a balance to be hit. I don't want you getting really obsessive about what other people think of you or about people's opinions and whatnot. But at the same time, there has to be a level of awareness of how you actually make people feel. Because if your attitude is I don't give a shit what people think, but you then go out and treat people like shit, well, your life is going to be hard because that's exactly what you're going to get back. If that's how you treat people, you can't expect if they're not going to be all that nice to you. So having that level of self-awareness, what's it like to be around me? For me on a personal level... I try as best as possible to bring value to people where I can, to actually make them feel better about themselves. So if we have a conversation that maybe I've helped them in some way or maybe just my energy has rubbed off on them or they just feel a little bit better after having having that conversation. So the level of awareness is... How do I make people feel? Do I raise them up? Do I give them something that they can hang on to? Do I make them feel good about themselves when they're walking away from me? Or on the other side of that, am I somebody who's quite negative? Do I drain people's energy? Do I have them walking away going, oh shit, I hate even talking to him. So have that level of awareness of what it's like to be around me. Am I fun to be around? Am I somebody who brings value to people? Am I somebody who's good at giving advice to people? Um, Am I somebody that people just generally want to be around? So this is about self-awareness as much as anything else. What is it like to be around me? Which is a fantastic question. It's one I see a lot in workplaces. I do a lot of corporate speaking. And sometimes before I even get in front of the group, they might be telling me about the morale of the company and maybe it's not great. And they're asking me to go in and figure out what the problem is. Sometimes before I even speak to the group, in my head I'm going, I found the problem, it's over here. Because that manager, for example, has no self-awareness. No awareness of how they treat people or what it's like to be around them and maybe that problem is steeping down from the top, now that's just an example, it's not saying that that's the same in every company, of course it's not, that's just an example, but self-awareness is something that is a superpower, and it's something that can be worked on, I was speaking last week, I had a speaking gig last week, and even when I speak quite regularly, one of the things I always look for is that self-awareness, even when I'm speaking, how is the group responding to me, am I seeing people's eyes glazed over, boredom, Or am I actually seeing people engaging, nodding, smiling, you know, like the the body language that you're getting from people is absolutely massive if you're open to it, if you're aware of it. But if you switch off and you're not looking for it, you've absolutely no awareness of how that session is going. You walk away maybe two hours later going, I did a great session today and everybody that was sitting there is walking away going, that was absolutely crap and the worst two hours of my life. So that starts with self-awareness. Even in the moment, you have to be aware of how are people responding to you, what messages and what signals are you giving out. I'm kind of smiling speaking about self-awareness today because I seen something on Facebook this morning which was from somebody who does videos around like presentations and how to present well and you know it's more around kind of the technological side of it and the tech stuff which I'm not good at at all and making yourself disappear and come back and changing the screen colour and whatnot but this guy in his video today he had said something around you don't want to be doing presentations where people are just bored and I was smiling at it because I find this guy the most boring person on earth when I've seen his videos and again I'm coming back to self-awareness or lack of it so very much the first one for me is to work to be self-aware that's the first one in my 15 self-management rules being self-aware even today coming on this podcast I was reluctant to to record this because I know the whole podcast is pretty much talking about myself and I don't like talking about myself but that again comes back to self-awareness it's that I don't want to be seen to be the one who's like look at me type of thing I don't really want that but I know that even speaking about this stuff will help somebody so that's why I'm doing it so that's the first one is to work to be self-aware the second one is to consistently take action in the midst of discomfort demotivation and inconvenience so that's about doing the work even when you don't feel like it When you're not motivated, when it's not convenient, when it's hard, when the weather is shit, when your motivation levels are low, it's showing up day after day after day, and being consistent with it. Consistency is king. If you are consistent over and over and over and you keep persistent, you will get there in the end. Undoubtedly. But for me, I'll always make sure that I'm doing the work to the best of my ability on those days when I don't feel like it. Because if I only do it on the days when I feel like it, if I only do it when I'm Alan at 100%, like I'm not going to get too far. That's the reality. So, that's the second thing I strive for in terms of my self management. It's to consistently take action in the midst of discomfort, demotivation, and inconvenience, not just doing it when circumstances are perfect and when all the stars align. And that's what a lot of people out there are actually doing, especially in the likes of fitness goals, when they're not motivated and they're not feeling super pumped today, they just won't do it because I'm not motivated, as if that justifies it. When I hear that phrase, At this stage, it nearly triggers me because I'm going, well, fucking welcome to the club. You're not a special snowflake, you know. But for me, it's consistently take action in the midst of discomfort, demotivation and inconvenience. Do it anyway. Number three is to have a purpose greater than my ego. So to have a purpose greater than my ego. And that really for me means not just looking at myself, but actually putting other people before me. And when I'm putting out social media content, for example, it's how can I bring value to people? It's not about my ego. It's not about look at me, am I wonderful? In my world, the most important people in work are my clients. How they're doing actually matters an awful lot more to me than how I'm perceived. And even with social media, it's celebrating them and it's giving them as much benefit as it can. And not even just with clients, but with the general public. It's how can I actually help them today? So that's the purpose that's greater than my ego. One thing I do see a lot of on social media is ego-driven fitness professionals. Where it's, look at me, I'm an die fucking amazing I'm going, well, good for you. But that's not actually helping anybody. If it's all about you, might be feeding your ego. But is it actually making a difference in the world? So number three for me is to have a purpose greater than my ego. But I'll also say, don't confuse that with being a doormat. So yes, I want to help people as much as I can. But I'm not going to be a doormat either. So you can be kind and you can be compassionate and you can be caring and you can be there to help people but you can also be a strong independent individual. You don't have to have all those things associated with being a doormat which is what some people think because if they think he's here to help me all the time there are certain people out there that can try to take advantage of that and they think they can walk all over you but don't ever mistake me for that because I'm not that and clients will tell you if something needs to be said I'll say it. And that's not me trying to be horrible to them or anything like that. But I will always have boundaries in place as well. So to have a purpose greater than my ego. But it's also not to be a doormat. Number four. To be the calm in the chaos. And that's. That one is always an ongoing challenge I guess. But I suppose for me. Being the calm in the chaos means. Controlling your mind as much as anything else. So when things get difficult. When things are challenging for you. How are you going to respond to that? Because you can't always control the circumstances. But what I would always look at is, how do I control me in the middle of this? So when the world seemingly is falling apart, when all the walls are caving in, when people all around you are panicking, how am I responding to that? One of the things I always strive for is to be the calm. And clients will have seen this at times as well, where they feel like everything is going shit for them, and they're letting themselves down, and they're starting to panic and basically they're just letting things take over and their mind is getting out of control and I'll just bring a little bit of calm to it and that's my job and that's my role calm things keep it in perspective because there's always a way around it I'll always look for if there's an obstacle in my way how do I get around it I'll never look at it as a stop sign I'll never panic and go this is the end of the road my big thing is calm assess analyze what are the options here and there's always an option when you choose to look for it. So, and the Chaos is one that people do struggle with. There are a lot of people who are easily triggered because they don't have control of their mind. And even in the greater context of the world at the moment, like there's a lot of stuff going on. And newspapers scaremonger, television scaremongers, I don't even watch the news. And this is not me trying to be radical or anything. I don't watch it because it is 100% negative. Good news doesn't sell. Negativity sells. So there's a hell of a lot of scaremongering out there. Here's a little challenge for you, if you don't believe me. Watch the news tonight. Watch the half an hour of it and see if there's one good news story in it. I promise you there's not. At most you might be. You might get a couple a year if the Olympics are on and Ireland win a medal or something, but 99% of it is negative. So I don't watch that because I cannot control that. And therefore, what's the point of me getting worked up about it? That's where so many people fall down. They're getting worked up in things that they absolutely cannot control. Whatever's on the news and COVID and cost of living and all of this sort of stuff. Not that it doesn't matter, but if you're letting that filter into your brain day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, and it's consuming all of your thoughts, well, your mind is just going to run away with you. It's going to go to worst case scenarios. You're going to scare the life out of yourself. You're going to start panicking. Whereas I would always look to: Can I be the calm in the chaos? Can I be reasonable? Can I be logical? Can I look for solutions? So being solution focused rather than problem focused. Number five is to be comfortable in my imperfection. Being comfortable in our imperfection is a difficult one. And I think social media feeds into that as well. Because social media gives the message that the ultimate goal is to be perfect. If you look at Instagram. If you look at Facebook. It's highly choreographed. It's highly filtered. And it's given this impression that we should strive for perfection all the time. So for me... I aim for the opposite. I aim to be comfortable in my imperfection because the last time I checked, perfection doesn't exist. So there's not much point in striving for it. And I always look at what can I do better. So can I get a little bit better rather than trying to be perfect? Can I get a little bit better? Progress, not perfection. If you're trying to be perfect all the time, you're in for, you're in for a problem because the reality is life is not perfect and life will throw shit at us. And if you expect these ridiculously high standards of yourself, what's going to happen when you don't get there? Well, you're going to feel guilt, shame, embarrassment. And that will eat you up. It will eat you up. It's going to cause massive problems for you. So for me, number five is to be comfortable in my imperfection. To say it's okay not to be perfect. To have an awareness that perfection doesn't exist and that what you're seeing a lot of on social media is actually not even real. I'm being okay with that. and not feeling like I need to be the perfect high watermark all the time. That's number five. Number six is to have clarity around my own values. So what matters most to me. Clarity around your own values is a really powerful one. If you can get clear on that, it becomes your moral compass in a way. And this is this one is fresh in my mind because my own coach asked me this last week. What are my values? And had to sit down and list my top four or five values. And it was really interesting the ones that were coming up for me. I found that helping people was one. And one that actually took me by surprise a little bit, but actually the more I think about it, it probably does need to be at the top of the list or close to the top, is commitment. Commitment is a huge value for me. A commitment to me means doing what i said I'll do, even when I don't feel like it. So it's following through. And I think anybody that knows me well would probably tell you I am pretty good at that. If I say I'll do something, I do it. If I say I'll be somewhere, I'll be there. If I give somebody my word you can pretty much hold me to it. I am pretty good at following through. Commitment is a big thing for me. Um, Last week, I pretty much announced there on social media, I'm going to get into the shape of my life in the next three months. I announced it publicly because there's no going back now. I'm fully committing and I will follow through on it. That's commitment. Commitment is a core value for me. And this is something that I think I probably try and instill in my clients as well. Every person I bring into the Elevate program, I ask them for commitment. And it doesn't mean they have to be perfect, but it means that they will do their best. And if they can do that, I will work with them every single day, give them the absolute maximum of me. But I have realized that it is a core value for me. Commitment is huge for me. And if I'm not seeing that from people, that's probably when I don't want to work with them, to be honest. So what are your core values? Because that is going to guide you. And then you can check back. And this was what my own coach said to me last week. We came up with a list. He goes, we can check back in a couple of months and see if you have been aligned with these. And I think that's pretty powerful as well. And even when it comes to decision making, if you have clarity on what your values are, your decision making becomes a hell of a lot easier because you start to make decisions based around your values. So getting clarity on my own values is number six. Number seven is to be a lifelong learner. I think the day you think you're finished, uh, the day you think you're finished learning is the day you're finished completely. So be a lifelong learner. And that's not always academic learning. I think a lot of my academic learning is actually finished now. I did go back and I studied sports psychology and it was a whole, I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it, but it was really difficult because I was trying to run a business and I was trying to look after clients and I was doing a million different things and trying to study on the same at the same time. And I also found it really challenging getting back into the academic side of things, not in terms of what I was studying, but the likes of just referencing and all of that sort of stuff. I found that really, really challenging and it was taking up so much time. Um, so I will be a lifelong learner, but a lot of my stuff really is being a pracademic rather than academic so practically learn getting out and getting your hands dirty that's a lot of the way I operate and what lessons can I take from it and I don't think that'll ever change so I'm a lifelong learner in that way I still read books I don't read as much as I used to the pennies dropped at me now that it's not all about reading it's about what you do with that so take one or two things from a book implement it get the results from it that's more my type of thing now rather than reading over and over and over for the sake of it and being able to say I read a thousand books without really actually having gained anything from it so um yeah I think my my learning from actual studies and going back academic studies I think I'm done with that if I'm honest I don't really see myself going back to that but my lifelong learning will never finish and I think one of the most powerful forms of learning is just your day-to-day life it's what you pick up in life it's the lessons along the way and I kind of laugh because a lot of even what I teach is self-taught. It's stuff that has happened to me. It's lessons I have picked up along the way. It's what I've learned with clients, and these are the messages that I pass on when I give talks or when I work with clients myself. And I definitely have felt at times, probably people in like the life coaching and personal development sphere, that sometimes they look at me and nearly I don't know. Sometimes I feel like there's a little bit of judgment in that they're going. Well, that's not what we were taught on the course. <laughs> I'm going well, you know what courses mean fuck all to me. Life means the real, the real deal, you know. Because I think you can have the theory of it all, and the theory is lovely, but a lot of stuff there in theory is actually not that relatable when somebody is struggling with real life stuff. And I always think you can only coach as deep as you've gone yourself. So for me, when I'm coaching something there's a very very high percentage chance that I've been through it myself or I've been through something similar or I've had a similar challenge and when that is the case then I can help people through and I can help them out the other side from the benefit of experience now if I'm trying to teach on stuff that I haven't actually experienced myself it's not going to land and it might be the lovely stuff from courses and it might be the stuff from theory but if I haven't actually been through it um, to be honest my rule of thumb is that I don't speak about it because I can't Like I can't relate to what that person is going through in that moment if I haven't been through it myself. So for me lifelong learning is very much about taking the lessons from life as much as it is from theory and books and all that sort of stuff. So number eight. Number eight is to be present and it's also not to waste time on things that I can't control. So being present is a big one. Being present is when you are speaking to somebody are you actually there or are you a million miles away? Are you thinking about work? Are you scrolling your phone? Are you thinking about what you're going to say next instead of actually listening to them? So being present in itself is a skill and it's a skill that's becoming a little bit less common especially with the use of technology. We're kind of half there a lot of the time. We're half there, half thinking of something else, half thinking about the emails, half thinking about the meeting tomorrow but we're not fully present. So for me I'm doing my best to be as present as I possibly can in conversations. And the second part of that sentence, which is probably worth explaining as well. So I said to you, it's to be present and it's also not to waste time on things I can't control. So the second part of that sentence is one that might be worth delving into. I will always look for where I can get the biggest return on investment. And that's a business phrase, but it's relevant for life as well. I have zero interest in wasting my time and wasting other people's time on conversations that will not serve us. So I will be as present as possible when I'm in conversations. When you will see the light going off in my head, it's like flicking a switch and it just dims it, is when people start bitching and gossiping. That's when I won't be present because I have zero interest in that. Absolutely none. It is pointless. It is futile. It creates disconnection in the long run. People do it because it brings those two people together when they're having a bitching session and a gossiping session. It actually does this little dopamine release and you feel good and you feel like there's a connection. But when you walk away, and the more this happens, by the way, so you do it over and over and over, the longer that goes on in terms of that type of conversation, you actually realise that if they'll bitch to me, they'll bitch about me. So it creates distrust as well as everything else. But I have no time for it at all. And this hasn't always been the case. Like back in previous jobs, as I said to you before I was turning into somebody I didn't like I'd find myself taking part in this sort of stuff now it's like I'm present in the conversation until it starts going down that road then I switch off you'll see my eyes have gone dim I'm not interested so that's when I won't have the conversations that's when I won't be present because I want the conversations that will bring the biggest return on investment now that might be having amazing conversations that are going to drive change for people it might be giving people advice it might be somebody giving me advice It's just good stimulating conversation. It's not knocking other people and running other people down. That's not to say I'm not going to be present for conversations that are just easy laid back chats. Of course I am because that's a huge part of life as well. It's when it goes into the realms of running other people down or complaining about people or bitching about people. That's when I'll switch off. So just to be clear on that. So that's number eight. Number nine is being comfortable with uncertainty. So really being ready and willing to adapt and just go with the flow. Because if we're relying on certainty and unpredictability, we're in trouble, guys. Because life is not predictable and life is uncertain and things that you are not expecting will happen. So if you have this expectation that everything needs to be completely rigid and you can never move from it and everything is going to be perfection all the time, you're in for a bit of a shock. So we have to be okay with uncertainty. We have to be willing to adapt. We have to be looking at how can I change? How can I improvise? If we're not willing to do that, we're going to left, get left behind. We're going to stay stuck so number nine is being uncomfortable with uncertainty because it's always going to be there it's always going to be all around us and sometimes it changes on a day-to-day and a week-to-week basis and we've got to adapt and we've got to improvise and if you're not open to doing that well that's going to cause problems number 10 is to know and understand myself so that really is knowing who i am beyond what i own beyond my reputation beyond the stuff beyond the fitness guy knowing who i am beyond that because there is a human being in there as well and there's a human being that maybe a lot of the public don't actually see or don't actually know i suppose with what i do i am very open in what i do i'm very open i'm an open book for the most part i do be as open and honest as i can on the podcast there are also a lot of people that maybe think they know me really well but probably don't because they see me just from a work perspective they see me in a work context But also understanding for me that there is a person behind that. And there is certain parts of my life that you won't see. And there's certain parts of me that you don't know. But it is there. And for me, it's knowing and it's understanding myself beyond who I am or what I own. Because a lot of the time we make that mistake who I am is what I own or what I've achieved or what my reputation is. But it's actually not. If all of that stuff was stripped away, what's left? What type of a person are you? If your car was taken away, if your house was taken away, if your job was taken away. What's actually left beyond all that? Do you know who you are? Do you know what your values are? Because we can get very wrapped up in chasing the things, the materialistic things, the wealth, the status. I've been lucky enough, I've worked with some very, very high profile people. I've worked with some extremely wealthy people. And it would shock you sometimes if you seen what goes on behind the scenes. Because from the outside looking in, you go, they've got everything figured out. They've got the perfect life. They've got everything I'd ever want. But sometimes a lot of those people are miserable because they have solely focused on wealth or on money and they haven't worked on themselves. So really understand that who you are is not what you own. It's not your status. It's not your reputation. Who you are is something totally different to all of that. You know, it's funny my brother, my brother loves my car, <laughs> my brother said to me recently, you know, you know, the next time you get a car, can I have that one, <laughs> that's going, you can have it, but like, the car doesn't mean anything, the car doesn't change anything, it doesn't change who I am, I like a nice car, I make no apologies for buying a car that I can afford, because I've worked hard for it, but it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't change me, it's still just a car that gets me from A to Z, a A to B, it's not it's not reflective of me it's not reflective of who i am it's not reflective of my personality it's just a nice luxury that i've worked hard for and i can afford it doesn't mean anything to me beyond that it doesn't mean i'm better than somebody else it like it's not to impress anybody if i'm buying a car i like it's because i like it it's not because i want somebody to say god hasn't he got a lovely car i couldn't give a shit like i, I couldn't What matters to me more is who I am beyond all the stuff. Do I still care about people? Do I still want to help people? Do I still have the drive to go out there and make an impact in the world? That's what matters to me. And if I ever see that changing, I'll need to have a look at myself. So 10 is to know and understand myself. 11 is to never be the excuse maker excuses sound best to the person making them remember that guys the next time you're coming up with excuses excuses sound best to the person making them you're the only one that's buying it the rest of us are not um yeah i'm not somebody who deals in excuses i like to get things done as i said earlier commitment will be a core value for me if i say i'm going to do something i'll follow through I'll make sure it gets done i will not deal in excuses um yeah when i find myself going the excuses road i dislike myself because it's not in line with my values, so I pull myself on it straight away, what am I overlooking here, is this an excuse, or is it a reason, which is it, now don't get me wrong, there are valid times when there are reasons that people can't do things, there are absolute valid times when that happens, but if that's happening to you a lot, ask yourself, is my reason actually my excuse, which is it, Like, if you've been procrastinating for six months and you've had a whole stream of reasons and inverted commas, maybe it's time to ask that question. Is my reason actually my excuse? So for me, number 11 is to never be the excuse maker. Number 12 is to recognise and work on my flaws without self-loathing. So recognising my flaws first off and knowing that we all have them and nobody's perfect, recognising my shortcomings, recognising where I'm falling down, And then it's working on them without judgment. Without me going, Oh shit, I'm the worst in the world. How did I let that happen? And I'm so crap and I'm no good at anything. It's not doing that. So no self-loathing. It's recognizing it. And then it's going, How do I start working on it? How do I start moving forward? Because self-loathing doesn't serve a purpose. Take the lessons, yes. But if you want to go down the road of self-loathing, you're probably just going to crush your confidence more and more over time. So, To recognise and work on my flaws without self-loathing. Number 13. We're nearly there guys. We're on the home stretch. Number 13 is to hit the pause button on my routine. So sometimes you need to step out of your routine. Because I can't be objective about the thing when I'm in the middle of it. So if I'm in the middle of it I cannot see the wood from the trees. You need to step back sometimes and get a bigger picture. If you want to actually see what's going on in your life. If you want to see what's working well, what's not working well. You need to step out of the day-to-day. If you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, you're in a rut. You cannot see what's going on around you. Like, what's what's great about this relationship? What needs to change about this relationship? Or maybe it's about your work. What's working well? What's profitable? What's a complete waste of my time and energy? Sometimes you got to take a step back. you got to hit the pause button on the routine. you got to step out of the immediate environment and you got to change something. I try and get away a couple of times a year. I'll get away to the sun, I'll do a lot of walking, I'll do a lot of thinking, I might lie by a pool, I might lie on a beach, but I get a totally different outlook on my life and it's when I get the greatest insights, Is when I'm not actually at home in the middle of it. So if you want to get an insight into what's working well in your life and what's not working well, I would say break your routine and step out of the environment, step out of the norm. I even try and do this on a daily basis to be honest, not obviously to the level of going holidays and whatever, but there's a couple of things that do happen in my day, which in itself are routine but they're still breaking the routine so one of those is a walk I get out walking every day now that's not part of my training as such yes it's to get the steps up but it's not really part of my training that walk clears my head and it gives me a huge sense of perspective whereas if I'm in the office all day long and I'm not breaking it up my energy levels are low my mental clarity is not so good my cognitive function is not really working and just I cannot see the wolf in the trees again and therefore I'm creating more problems for myself it's when I break that up and I step away from it That's when I can actually see what's working, what's not working. So 13 is to hit the pause button on my routine. 14, nearly there. 14 is to keep my body working great for as long as possible. That's the goal. To keep my body working great for as long as possible. We all have one body and we can't just get a new one, unfortunately. And I do see a lot of people that treat their body like that. As if, well, I can just straight it and then when things go wrong, I can go into the garage and get an upgrade. Well, you fucking can't that's the reality of it like some people need a serious reality check on this one as you can see this one triggers me like i can't get my head around to the way people disrespect their bodies like it doesn't matter like it's grand we'll fix it when the time comes well you won't because you will be sick you will be unwell it's much more difficult to get your health back than it is to maintain it i heard a great saying once i can't even remember who said this but That person was speaking about training and goals. And they said, the goal is not for me to get in great shape. The long-term goal is to avoid the nursing home. And I just thought, wow, I love that. I love that. The long-term goal is to avoid the nursing home. Like, what a great perspective. That you're looking after your body, that you're caring for yourself. That you're keeping yourself in the best possible state of health that you possibly can. Like, is that not the ultimate goal? I think that's absolutely incredible but reality check guys, some of you listening to this need to have a serious think about how you're treating your body and I don't mean that in a judgmental way but I speak to people every single day who are massively mistreating their bodies and then they're hating on their body, your body didn't get into that shape by itself, look at what your body does for you, look at the quality of life it gives you, look at how hard it's working for you every single day, the problem is not the body. The problem is the person operating the body a lot of the time. So if you feel like that is you, please don't be triggered by this. I'm not having a pop at you. But use it as a wake-up call. Use it as a starting point. Use it to say, I'm going to start respecting my body. I'm going to start treating my body properly. Instead of hating on it all the time. When in fact it was me to put myself in that position in the first place. So number 15, the last one, this is probably the one I have the biggest challenge with I'd say in a way, number 15 is to live my life from a platform of good, so trying to to be the best I can be and being good to other people and that is coming from a place of patience, kindness, service, respect and it's not always easy and any of you that are listening to this have probably experienced similar it's not always easy we try to be our best but it's very challenging at times it's very challenging in my line of work you are trying to help people as much as you can and that leaves you quite vulnerable because it's emotionally draining at times it is mentally draining at times it's physically draining at times and sometimes you get to the end of the day and you might get a message from somebody looking for help and they're going oh can i just ask you one question and in your head you're going, oh fuck, no you can't, (laughs) you know, that's the challenge, but I don't respond like that, I will help them, like if I possibly can, I will, and it's being understanding, it's being compassionate, it is sometimes putting yourself in their shoes, understanding what's going on for them, and yeah, and that can always be an ongoing challenge, but that's number 15, is to live my life from a platform of good, that you are doing your absolute best for people, now I'll also say sometimes that has to be tough love as well, No more than with the previous point, number 14, which probably was a bit of tough love there for people. Sometimes it has to be tough love. Normally when people come to me, there's been a situation where they've been doing certain behaviours for a lot of their life. And those behaviours are what have led us to the call. And they have to have an understanding of that, that like your decisions and your actions led you to where you are today. One of the problems for a lot of people is that they have yes men and yes women around them. They have people around them who tell them what they want to hear. They have people around them who tell them, Asher, it's grand. I ah, know you're okay. Sure, you're perfect as you are. I had a client once, not too long ago, about a year ago, I had a client and she was very overweight. She came to me looking to sort her life out, which was amazing. And she was doing so well. She's absolutely killing it. And I remember having a call with her one day. She said, how do you deal with people who are not supporting you? I said, who's not supporting you or what's the context around this? There were people like family members who were telling her, don't lose weight it's unhealthy for you and I think a lot of the family have been overweight it was kind of the thing in the family but I'm not sure where this came from but I think somebody in the family had maybe got cancer they had lost weight and then they had got cancer totally unrelated but this person that was maybe saying it her had connected the two I don't know but there was an awful lot of resistance and I was saying to her like as you are at the moment you're morbidly obese like that's not being judgmental again that's where she was at which do you think is the greatest risk to your health at the moment like in all honesty which is a greater risk to your health so sometimes i have to bring that bit of tough love because they're not getting it elsewhere they're getting people telling you you're perfect as you are you don't need to change like that's fine and we're not judging people's personality or judging what a kind person they are we're looking at their health we're being practical this is not fat shaming for a second guys, I don't want to turn into that because it's not that and I do see so much of it where I go, you know, I'm looking at social media and I'm seeing people who are massively overweight, or massively unhealthy and they're talking about being body proud and they're talking about how, you know, it's okay to be as you are and it doesn't define you, no it doesn't define you, it doesn't change who you are as a person but it does impact your health and sometimes I have to bring that little bit of tough love, even though it might not be PC, even though it's probably what a lot of people don't want to hear. Sometimes tough love is just part of number 15, which is living my life from a platform of good. It's not To me, it's not good if I'm going to be a yes man. I'm going to just tell people what they want to hear, and I'm going to let them continue that slide down into ill health. That's not doing good. So yes, we're talking about doing good from patience, kindness, service, respect, but I would see... Tough love as the same as that. I think it's doing good, even though it's not pleasant for me, and it's probably not pleasant for the person hearing it, but sometimes it just has to be done. So that is my fifteen self-management rules, um rules, intentions, whatever word you want to put on it. As I said, I'm not perfect. I don't get them right all the time. I regularly fail on them. I'm just like you, always fall down, but I try and pick myself up again. So they're pretty much the ones I try to live my life by to keep myself as best I can managing myself and turning up as optimally as I can hope you found something useful from that guys we are opening up places for Elevate again on Sunday if you're listening to this before Sunday I would strongly recommend dropping a little message to me before it opens up and then maybe we can have a chat and get you in there because those places do go pretty quickly so other than that be amazing and I'll speak to you next week